smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish! Must be the opening goal, Benedetto! And Bagnon, fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Beautifully done, sensational. Coming up on Le Beaujeu, we ask, is Paris Saint-Germain's reign coming to an end? Will Burak Yilmaz, for so long the king of Turkey, now take the crown in France? Just how good is this Lille team? And is Robbie Thompson going to survive the next 45 minutes? It's thrilling at the top, but there are also battles for European qualification and the fight for survival where both Nantes and Neem are battling and making it very interesting. Joining me uh, on the pod this morning, so much to talk about with David Crossenhar. How are you, Dave? Yeah, good, thanks, Matt. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Dave uh, had the pleasure of commentating last night the uh, the Ren PSG game. Um, Robbie was probably under his duvet. How are you doing, Robbie? Uh, I'm good, Matt. I'm hoping not to start too strongly and then fade in the second half of the pod and become petulant. <laughs> no but bad language either, but, please. But I, but I might. Keep those <laughs> toys so you know. in, the, in the pram, Robbie. <laughs> Plenty to talk about. Tough week for, for Paris Saint-Germain, no question. The title race isn't over yet, but uh, it was a good weekend for Lille. Let's start at the Stade Félix Ballard, where uh, Lens were playing Lille in what was... Uh, a hugely anticipated Derby du Nord. We had some incredible scenes in the build-up to the game with uh, Lille fans cheering the uh, the Lille bus from their hotel, um, even from their training ground the day before. Uh, the Lens fans turned up in their thousands uh, to greet the Lens players before kickoff. Lens uh, fighting for European qualification, fighting for fifth, but Lille, of course, fighting for the title. These two teams don't particularly like each other. There were some words. Um, spicing things up between the uh, between the teams before the game. Let's hear what happened. Lens versus Lille on Friday night with David Crossan. What a start here. Jean-Louis Laker against Burak Yilmaz. And it's in off the post. A perfect penalty and the perfect start. Come on! Come on! Well, if Lille had any nerves... Come on! Come on! Burak Yilmaz has gone a long way to settling them. They've moved Jonathan Grady to left back. Have Lens. They're playing just with a four at the back now instead of five, as here's Burak Yilmaz, who tries the shot! Oh! What a goal! Well, King Burak can do no wrong. Well, if he isn't a player that can win you the league title. Now Bomber's turn. Cleared only as far as Jonathan David. And now they have their third goal. Goal number 12 of the season for the Canadian. Well, as our regular listeners probably um, realised, that wasn't David Crossan. That was uh, that was Robbie Thompson. Robbie, you were, you were the commentator no, for the I wasn't there. Do not. No, not at all. I have Dave. been working on my Australian accent quite hard. <laughs> Twenty-two for no, two. No, it was me. Two. It was me. It was me. Absolutely. And 
for all that uh, talk, and you, you hopefully heard it in the in the commentary, the referee, after 60 seconds of play, with uh, a penalty decision, and, okay, if you're a Lille fan, it was a penalty. If you're a Lens fan, it wasn't a penalty. But uh, it was a shame that that had to come so early in the in the contest and really changed the whole the whole feel of the match. Then there was a, a red card in the in the thirty third minute for 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 Michelin, who was sent off in the first game between the two sides as well. A four nil victory for for Lille. Um, that derby earlier in the season was also preceded by fantastic scenes of the fans outside the outside the grounds because this derby du Nord is a very passionate one. And um, for me, it's just a shame that the referee played such a, a central role. Yes, Lille are a very good side. Yes, Burak Yilmaz scored an absolutely stunning second goal. But uh, honestly, for me, it was never a penalty. And we'll talk about penalty calls later in the podcast as well, uh, uh, about other penalty calls. But uh, look, Fofana, Seiko Fofana came charging in put his foot on the ball, took the ball force, Bomba kicked uh, Fofana for mine. The referee pointed to the spot, did not consult the video assistant referee. Um, the penalty stood and Lance were v- feeling very, very aggrieved. Um, and that after 60 seconds of a derby, a crucial derby, one that could have a, a, a real uh, bearing on the outcome of the race for Europe, for the race for the title, um, for me, it was a shame, and I felt uh, I felt without being not being a Paris Saint Germain fan, but being a, a neutral observer who wanted to see a good game of football, that this was there was a certain injustice here. There you go. I'm looking Dave, forward to um, yep. I'm looking forward to Rob's analysis of Paris Saint Germain's penalty later. Oh, that's what, I that. saw it coming. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Dave, producer Ian is is suggesting Michelin was perhaps a bit too pumped up uh, for 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 his red card. Yeah. But no on- chance of him getting tired, is there? Because he, he was sent off after only four minutes uh-huh. after he came on in the first one. And what was it, 33 <laughs> minutes this time? So Yeah, but the first tackle, yes, it was. It, he took the leg, but there was no intent. It wasn't overly aggressive. This thing in France, to go back to the penalty, this idea of excès d'engagement, which we say in French as a, a way for referees to give fouls and, and, and give mm. cautions Excess, and yeah. bookings, it's, it's, you're going in too hard. That's what basically what it means. Sorry, you went in too hard into that challenge, whether you well, got the ball or yeah, not. Excessive, it kind of means unnessary aggression, doesn't it? Or like, yeah, you know, you've gone in ex- to leave your mark on the man. But if you but don't not, foul, how yeah. can that be a, a free kick? Yes, you went in hard. That's what, and France is a physical league as well and has built itself, uh, built its reputation on the continent for being a physical league. And this whole idea of, of people watch it and think, why is that a free kick? This is not, we're not in the Premier League. You know, that would never be given in the Premier League. France is a physical league. Why do we give these, these, and these I think, free and kicks? And I think, you know, the wider problem, Robbie, is the, with the VAR. I had it in the, in the Monaco Rouse game. Vout Feis, um lost the ball in the box and then he made this lunging tackle to recover. And it was actually such a clean tackle. Um, took the ball away from, from Kevin Volland. But because he kind of, you know, went lunging in and, and Volland was hurt. The referee gave a penalty. He then went over to look at the uh, at the video. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said it in the commentary, you know, it kind of depends what replay he has shown here. And they showed a very slow motion replay where you could see that Face perfectly won the ball. And of course, he overturned his decision. But it's all, yeah, it, it's all a yeah, question yeah, of interpretation and what, of... and what replays they show. 
Yeah, and this one didn't even go to VAR, which is strange in such a big match after just 60 seconds. So anyway, there's my uh, mini coup de gueule, but I suspect there'll be more today because I am already feeling a little bit petulant. I think but we should Dave, focus on some yeah. of the positives from the game as well now, mainly Burak Yilmaz, <laughs> who uh, is going to be player of the season, isn't he? I, I know we spoke about this a few weeks ago and said if Lille win the title, then who's going to be the player of the season? I think the way Burak's finishing this campaign, it's going to end up being him. It's, it's almost Cantona-esque. Cantona mm, from the 96 yeah, season absolutely. with Man United, where every game he seemed to score uh, and win the games for them. What a brilliant finish it was for his second goal. And then Incredible. substituted off when on a hat-trick because Christophe Galtier was nervous about him getting a yellow card that would have meant him being suspended for the last game of the season. Jose Font is already suspended for that game, so you don't want to be without Font and Yilmaz for that final game if there's uh, something still riding on it. Ooh, is Dave, that I've signs got, of Galtier getting a bit nervous? Question for, okay. for, for you and Robbie. Is Burak left-footed or right-footed? <laughs> Two-footed. He's right-footed, but that was a sensational finish, wasn't it? If you haven't seen it, check it out. 30 yards out, left foot into the top corner. Nothing Jean-Louis Laker could do about it. Wonderful goal against the 10 men. How can you score a goal like that on your wrong foot? I mean, I'd, I'm just imagining myself trying to hit it from 30 yards with my left foot. And I mean, you know, that has just flown into the top corner. They've got two games left. They've got their destiny in their own hands still, of course, Lille. Um, and the game's coming up. They don't look difficult on paper. But then nerves set in, etc. Um, they're playing at home against Saint-Étienne this weekend and away to Angers in what will be Stefan Moulin's last game in charge of, of Angers. Um, difficult to see them dropping points, Robbie. It is very difficult to see them dropping points. The, the, the horse could have bolted as far as Paris Saint-Germain and Monaco and Lyon are concerned. Um, it's, it's this time where you start to look back over a season, and I know we're talking about Lille so, and trying to pick out moments in which they won it. Obviously, their 1-0 victory over Paris at the Parc des Princes, I think, was, was a key moment in this run-in. But, but then you can also think about where did Paris lose it, and there, and there you get into a, a very different argument and a, and a long argument. So, look, hats off to Lille. Their victory in the big games, I think, their, their, their results... When they needed results, they got them. We've said it for the last two months that sometimes when they didn't play well, they managed to salvage something. Um, they had the odd slip up, but they've, they've, they've been superb in the last month and the pressure has been on and they've been leading from the front. We know that's not easy when you're being hunted by, by, by big teams and they're, they're, they have been remarkable. Look, and take nothing away. Yes, I, I, I think that you know it was disappointing to see the game affected by the referee so early, but take nothing away from... From Lille, who were without Benjamin Andre as well. And if you're looking for a player of the season, I know it's a bit like Jose Font. It's not the sexiest player of the season that you can go with Benjamin Andre. And probably Burak gets it. But without him, that's a big hole in your midfield in this Lille side. And they, they were solid and they did it again. I was thinking about it this morning, though. I don't know what, what you guys think. I think I know it's, it's not done yet. Lille are not champions yet. But looking at their team, if you compare it to, to what, like what Monaco did was phenomenal four years ago when when they won the league but I think it's almost more special if this Lille side does it because I don't think they have the exceptional individuals that that Monaco side had the the you know the Bernardo Silva Mbappe Fabinho um, Benjamin Mendy Falcao you look you, you look there were some stunning individuals and this Lille side it's Bernardo such a collective Silva, Bernardo Tomo yeah Lemar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But th- it's this Lille team. I'm not saying they're not 
they're all really good players, but you know, Jonathan Bomber isn't isn't Bernardo Silva. Um Jonathan David isn't Mbappe. Um not yet anyway. And I just think um Burak is Falcao. <laughs> but listen, no, I'm, 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 and I'm not saying this as a put down. I'm saying that it's an even bigger victory for 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 a collective spirit and a, a, a way of playing. And this season, you know, I talk about Jonathan Bomber, who's played pretty much every game on the left. They've had either Araujo or Iconi on the right. Those guys defend. They 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 give absolutely everything, and that is why, you know, one of the reasons anyway why this Lille team is is so difficult to beat. I'm with you on that, Matt. Uh, they're not as talented as that Monaco 27 team. They're not as individually talented as the last Lille side to win the title. I, I did that as an exercise a few weeks ago for the Ligan.com website, trying to pick a composite 11 between the 2011 champions and the potential 2021 champions. And they only had four of the current team getting into it. Um, was Burak in there? And that was stretching it a bit. Yeah, Burak got in for me. Okay. I had Moussa playing wide and Jovino is probably not, um, going to send me any birthday cards because I didn't pick him. <laughs> didn't pick Jovino. But no. who did you pick from the four? Can you remember the four current players? Um, yeah, I had Mike Menon, um, Jose Font, Benjamin Andre. Menon, head of, head, of uh, head of Londreau. Yeah, yeah. Londro was Absolutely. on his way down Mike by Menon then. has been sensational. Yeah. So Benjamin Andre. Yeah. But hang on. But, but that Lille team, it was what? It was Balmont, Mavuba and Cabaino. No, yeah, midfield. there were some that tough was... choices. Uh, mm. uh. No, you have to put Benjamin Andre in there. In terms of what he's done... For this team, what you just cited, Matt, in 2011 was a trio. This is a uh, uh, Benjamin Andre is almost a one man show in the middle of the park. It, it was made harder that thing by um, Galtier playing four four two and Rudy Garcia having mm, played four three three. So I had to cheat a little bit. Sumare <laughs> pretty special on Friday though, Robbie. No, yeah, fantastic player. Really, really, really good footballer. I I admit that there was a lot of talk about him the last couple of seasons, and I. I, I didn't think he was playing regularly enough. I didn't see enough of him and I didn't get all the hype. Um, but this year, absolutely, I have very much seen seen it and I get the hype. But remember last season, last summer, he was the object of, of many suitors from across the channel, in particular, looking to uh, secure his services. There'll only be more after this season because he's young, he's strong, he can play six, but also get forward, also have an eye. He, technically, he's proficient. He is... Uh, a very, very fine footballer. Lots to get through uh, on Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in association with BT Sport. We're going to turn our attentions to Rennes and Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, the pressure was on PSG. Lille uh, stretching four points clear following their victory over Lens. Rennes, uh, they knew that a victory for them would take them up to fifth. I'm pretty sure it was David Crossan commentating on Sunday night the game at Rosen Park. Neymar up against Alfred Gomez. Neymar takes his time, adjusts his shorts. Stares down Gomez. The stuttering run up. Gomez goes the right way, but it beats Gomez. And Paris Saint Germain have a crucial opening goal. Applause from Kylian Mbappe, suspended tonight. For Neymar, who celebrates signing a long-term contract extension with the first goal in a crunch game. Bourgeau, chance. Oh, Garassi scores and ran a level. Garassi's fifth in six games. And Ren have been pushing hard all throughout the second half. 
they'll feel that justice has been done. Well, Dave, this was uh, a fascinating game, a game that both teams could have won. We had another controversial penalty decision. Um, But Ren, I think, thanks to that fantastic header from Girassi, getting a point that they deserved. Yeah, Girassi, a former Lille player, of course, and doing a favour to his former club there. And the penalty, in real time, I just... I think I just said Kazawa shoots over the bar and then was really surprised that they were even looking at the incident. And it was one of those ones where, as you slowed it down, it was Aguerd and Kazawa both going for the ball at the same time. Aguerd perhaps trying to get a block on a Kazawa shot. Um, Aguerd's studs did connect with Kazawa's shin, but for me, not a penalty either. Just get on with the game. Instead, the penalty was awarded. Neymar put it away just after signing his long-term contract extension. But in the second half, Neymar did nothing. He played so deep, just played in the wrong parts of the pitch. PSG lacked fluency. They had a couple of half chances for Draxler and Keane, but created zero in the last half hour. And frankly, playing like that, they don't deserve to be champions. I'll accept some of the excuses. They've had a busy fixture list. They've had a lot of injuries, etc., etc. But that squad is unbalanced. Pochettino basically admitted that post-match, that they've got work to do over the summer. They've got to sort out the midfield. They've got to sort out the full-back positions. They have to make the big decision in conjunction with Mbappe about his future. He was a big miss um, last night through um, suspension, but I don't think he would have played anyway because of his calf problem. Um, So what do you do? Do you sell Icardi to free up wages to have Mbappe sign a long-term deal? Or do you Go for the nuclear option, which is to cash in on Mbappe so that you can properly restructure the squad. I'd keep Mbappe, but they, they've got to really put some work in over the summer. I'm sure they'll they'll keep Mbappe, won't they, if they can. But I just had that sort of deja vu thing where I feel like we were doing this pod a year ago saying they've got to sort out the midfield, they've got to get fullbacks in. They've sort of lost a year, haven't they, Robbie? It feels a bit like that. Look, if you're going to go back a year, I was going to I was going to try and stay calm and take these things one one at a time, but I'm going to jump straight to the to a, a point which is not about last night's match and it's not about uh it's a it's a way we perceive Paris Saint-Germain and a way we look at them. This is a side that made the Champions League final last year and all we're saying last year was we need to restructure is this it's the end of the line, it's the end of the road, this team's not going anywhere fast. We, we spend our whole time saying Paris Saint-Germain spent too much money. They spent 220 on Neymar, 180 on Kylian Mbappe. They're, they're, they've got too much money. It's, it's, it's upset the, the status quo in France. They're one of the, the most richest sides. And then we say every summer, they need to buy this. They need to buy this. They need to buy this. They've just done Champions League semifinals again. They've eliminated Manchester United and Leipzig last season semifinalists in the group stage when being down in third midway point through Barcelona then then Bayern Munich and then I won't say three lucky goals or they deserve to go through against uh, Manchester City Manchester City deservedly going through to the final but there's no harm there's no shame um, in making a Champions League semi-final and look yes there are of course you can improve you always have to improve on a squad you also always you can't stay stagnant because you'll get overtaken by everyone who's also buying players and everything but there's no uh, no shame in making a Champions League semi-final and not making the final for a second year in a row. And look, the left-back situation, you get Juan Bernat back. 
You've got a couple of understudies who aren't bad. Right back, you've got a player on loan, Florenzi. If they decide not to keep him, you'll bring someone else in. That's normal. In midfield, you've got players who have taken your side to a, to a Champions League semi-final as well as a final last year. They can't be that bad. And maybe in this time, we shouldn't be thinking of uh, just spending more and more money. I think a lot of football clubs are taking a look at themselves. A lot of fans are taking a look at clubs. And we shouldn't be demanding that they just go out and spend more money. Let's try and improve the players we have, perhaps. Let's acknowledge that we have quality players, a side capable of winning Ligue 1 every season, a side capable of making the last four of the Champions League. And perhaps, you know, Colin Dagbar at 21 years of age is a player with some future. Perhaps uh, Juan Bernat, perhaps Idrissa Gay or Leandro Paredes are players but that Rob, can, but that Rob, can I play think that, these you roles. Know, I, I think people are not saying PSG need to go out and spend more money. They, they, they need perhaps... That's what you just to... said, both of you. No, no we didn't I say money. Needed, yeah. Money wasn't mentioned. I'm going to say, <laughs> you remember what the Galacticos mission statement was at Real Madrid? It was Zidane y Pavon. So you have these superstars, but then you have the homegrown players. If Paris Saint-Germain hadn't let all of their homegrown players go, they'd have had more energy and more options on the bench last night. There's nothing that Moise Keane or Mauro Icardi did that suggests that Arno Calimwendo would have done any worse than either of them. So uh, that, that, needs, that recalibration needs to happen internally as well so that these youngsters feel that they've got a future because I'm not convinced that those more experienced squad players really add very much uh, to Paris Saint-Germain. Can we talk about, I'll talk about last night's game just quickly. <laughs> Please do, Rob. Because do. before before I t- I've taken us off off course, um, for me, and I, I said this in our little group, our little WhatsApp group last night, that for me, if that had been uh, the the tackle by Aguerd or the block on Aguerd, if that had happened in in a in the middle of the park, it would have been a free kick, no doubt about it. Could even have been a red card for Aguerd. Yes, he was trying to block the ball. Yes, it was a, a collision. But yes. He missed completely missed the ball. It's midway in the shin, and you can see the force of it because it, it ripped a hole in the sock, and luckily uh, Kuzava was wearing shin pads. For me, look, it's not, it's not a scandal that the, that the referee, when he looks at it, uh, gives a penalty. And it's the same as what was I it, said Robbie, about it, was it, Yeah, Was it disappointing, like you said, the, the Lille penalty, disappointing for the game? Uh, no, because we saw Wren fight back, and Wren weren't reduced to, to 10 men after either. But uh, I think it was disappointing for Wren players, absolutely. But the second half, look, again, we saw it, this Paris Saint-Germain side that just can't go on with it in the second half. And I don't know if it's physical or if it's, if it's mental or if there's something that needs to, needs to change. I think Mauricio Pochettino has had a, 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 a fairly full-on uh, baptism at Paris Saint-Germain, playing a lot of matches. Um, again, we're, another thing that we haven't spoken about much, and it's not... So relevant at the moment, but Paris Saint-Germain are playing a lot of matches and have had a lot of players missing throughout the season. We're, we're talking. I was looking back at the first game between the two sides. Nine players missing for Paris Saint-Germain the first time they played Rennes this season, and that's been the case several times this season. So, look, they are they have had a very difficult campaign. Second half, Rennes yeah, deservedly Ren, equalising. Rennes didn't have Camavinga or and Zonzi, and they played yes, a seventeen-year-old in midfield making his first start, and Paris Saint-Germain still yeah. couldn't beat them. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and if it wasn't for Navas saving from Flaviante, 
It would have been nine defeats. And uh, Robbie, you've yeah. talked a lot about the Champions League. This is the League and Uber Eats podcast. And, and you know, we're talking more yeah. about that. But Rob, I, I'll put this to you from Kev Sherwood. Uh, our listener has written in. If you've got any questions um, or want to send us uh, any feedback, League One uh, uh, podcast at gmail.com. That's our address. Um, Kev says, I just watched the Man City PSG game. I can't believe yet again how easily they lose their heads. What are your thoughts as to the reason behind this? Do the players believe they're better than they are? Is it because they aren't used to losing? Is it just a slow burn from last year's Champions League final loss? Um, Robbie, what what do you think? Uh, you know, it's it's hard to take, isn't it, when it's your dream to win the Champions League and, and, and when you're going out yeah. like that. PSG do seem to to lose their rag. Yeah, it, and we even have seen and, it and even in the first again. leg when it was still sort of everything to play for, there was this feeling that there was kind of a difficulty in keeping their emotions um, under wraps. Sort of, you know, once once they conceded that first goal against City. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about in the first leg, but certainly in the second leg, there were you could feel the frustration rising, and and they were incapable of keeping a lid on it. We saw it again last night with with Presnel Kimpembe, who's come a long way in terms of his emotional management and um, just completely losing it. He was never going to get get to, to the ball before Doku in that challenge on the sideline, a, a deserved red card for him to um, take it back four years. If And, and I know people like to, to say that this is an endemic problem at Paris Saint-Germain. When they were chasing Monaco, there was a game, three games from the end of the season against Nice, where Di Maria was sent off again for, for a, a bad foul. Thiago Motta was sent off in that match. Paris Saint-Germain lost to Nice, and that was where the title was uh, officially lost to, to Monaco. Not officially, but for all intents and purposes. And we see it again. We saw it against Marseille at the start of the season where, where the side uh, lost it. There is, there is pressure on Paris Saint-Germain, but there's pressure on all the big sides. There's pressure on, on Bayern Munich. Um, and the, the Barcelonas who, who seem to be able to deal better with defeat? I, I don't have an answer for that question, but it's true that when you look at the statistics, there, it, uh, there is a, a negative reaction from Paris Saint-Germain when they are behind, when they are under pressure. And it's something, I think, that comes from assurance. And hopefully the club continues to grow and uh, these two Champions League semi-finals in two years will help the club grow. The fact that they're, they're always at the top of Ligue 1 Uber Eats should help the team grow as well and, and be able to deal emotionally when you're under pressure. But yeah, look, we've seen it time and time again. I don't know what to say. I wonder if it if it stems from a, a lack of leadership um, or you know poor discipline among a lot of the uh, of the senior players. Um, I could talk about Verratti. I could talk about Neymar. And I I want to ask you, Dave. Neymar signing this new new deal. I mean, it's a massive massive decision for. For Paris Saint-Germain and for Neymar, could, almost certainly will be his his last sort of big contract in terms of him being um, at the peak of his powers. We're talking about thirty million or thirty-six million euros, depending which uh, reports you believe per year uh, for another four years. Um, there were mixed feelings, if you're to believe um, surveys that have been done among Paris Saint-Germain supporters as to whether this is a a good call or not. Is it a good call? in your eyes, Dave, to, to, to keep Neymar on for a long-term deal. It is. Paris Saint-Germain fans should be delighted that Neymar is sticking around for another four, potentially five years. But what has to happen is he has to be fit to play full seasons. This is the perennial problem since he joined in 2017. I think last night 
was only his 68th league game for Paris Saint-Germain. Mm. And 113 even, in total in four seasons. Yeah. He's missed, he's he's missed even, 102. He's missed 102, he played 113. He's played league and seasons in four years. And that's even taking into account the truncated season last year, it, it's not enough return on the investment. So he's got to stay fit because when he is there, he scores goals. I, I was disappointed with him last night. I thought what happened in the second half, I just couldn't understand it at all. And I don't get why Pochettino didn't get him playing on the left wing or as a false nine, just get him closer to the opposition goal because PSG only looked dangerous towards the end when Marquinhos was up there as an auxiliary centre forward. Icardi barely touched the ball when he came on. Moise Keane... In the super moting role. Keane hasn't looked sharp since he returned from COVID. I think he's only got one goal since uh, he had COVID. And yeah, you've got to give him some allowances for that. But yeah, no, what Neymar did in the second half, it, it wasn't good enough for me. There's a there's a economic debate as well that has to be uh, undertaken with with the Neymar um, extension contract extension, which is what pressure was the club under to to re-sign him as well or to get him to sign? Because otherwise, he leaves on a free in six months' time. He can sign for well, he plays another season, but can leave for free. And if you try and sell him now with one year left on his contract, you're not going to get much return on what. Uh, so I, I feel the club, in, in some respects, their best option for the club, aside from the fact that he's the best player in Liga and a fantastic footballer and one that you can can count on. It. I mean, his record, 86 goals in those 113 matches in all competitions, is a, a fantastic record. Um, we saw in the big Champions League matches, and we saw it last year, he does and can perform and can win you matches on the big stage as well. So look, of course... Economically, there was an interest, I think, for Paris Saint-Germain to re-sign him through to 2025. And on the football pitch, there's no denying that Neymar gives you something extra on the pitch. OK. Will, will I let you have the last word, Robbie? What do you think? No, I think it's good. I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think it's, it's great to have Neymar, but part of me also thinks that PSG are kind of relying But you wouldn't on... have got money. When you say cash in on him, you're not going to cash in on him now with one year left on his contract, a 29-year-old who's been injured, as we just said, for, for large swathes of the last four seasons. Yeah, but then so... keep him keep him and treat him like the other players as much as you can. I feel like he, you know, he can do what he wants and I feel like the team rely too much on his whims, really, and that, and that there's a lack of a collective element because it's always, they get to the big games and it's like, Neymar's got to do it now. And you can see against City, you, you, the, you can tell when things are going badly because Neymar tries to do more and more on his own and invariably it, it doesn't work. He holds on to the ball longer and longer. The, the games that he has been decisive in and you know we've seen that in the Champions League, he has been outstanding you know, in the final eight last season and um, in some of the games this season uh, uh, when he plays collectively. Now, how, how, you can get that, how you can get that into him I, I don't know, but I think there needs to be a change in spirit and I think that's got to be Pochettino's, you know, one of his big roles to get Neymar playing as part of the team and not as an individual. Yeah, well, let's give Pochettino a, a summer or a chance and, and see if he can do it. Well, the race for the title is is still interesting because Lille uh, are three points ahead of PSG, but um, PSG have better goal difference, so Lille cannot afford to lose one of their uh, last two matches. Uh, the battle for third as well is interesting this weekend, uh, guys. Lyon 4, Lorient 1. Um, big win for, for Lyon. They're looking like they're going to end the season uh, in strong fashion. Monaco managed to sneak a victory thanks to a 19-year-old, Elliot Matazzo. 
Um, 1-0 they won away to Rouse. So Monaco still one point above Lyon. Lyon in uh, in fourth position. Of course, it's so important to finish in the top three and to qualify for the Champions League. Um, PSG, you know, assuming they don't implode, they're going to finish in, in, in the top two. But... Uh, We'll have to see. We'll have to see if Pochettino can uh, can raise his troops. They're playing Rouse uh, at the weekend. But um, what do we think, Dave? You fancying Monaco or Leon for for third position? It's a hard one, isn't it? I, I think Monaco are just going to do it because uh, apart from losing to Leon, they've got this ability to grind out results at the moment. Because when they've played in that five o'clock Sunday afternoon slot, they've not particularly impressed me in recent weeks. But they managed to get the points. Um, I think Lyon, they play Nîmes next and that's going to be a tough game given the way uh, Nîmes performed this weekend and the fact that they're fighting for their survival. Though Lyon will be boosted by having Depay back from suspension. Uh, Lyon did well at the weekend considering they had a makeshift central defence. Things much improved in the second half after Slimani came on. But if I'm going to have to pick one, I'm going to say Monaco are just going to pip them. Uh, Robbie, we, we got an email in from Liam Wraith, who uh, says, uh, great podcasts as usual recently. Thank you, Liam. He wanted to ask about the uh, the rumours, the reports in L'Equipe, who are suggesting that Leon uh, are looking at four names as potential replacements for uh, Rudy Garcia as coach. Deserbi, Galtier, Gallardo and Vieira. Uh, the report was quickly uh, rubbished by Jean-Michel Olas on uh, on, <laughs> as is on Twitter, his, uh, which, as is which his probably bond. means which probably means there's a lot of truth to it. Um, <laughs> what do you reckon, Robbie? And just you know, in terms of the Champions League race, that that's obviously going to be vital as well. Um, as Leon look to get a trainer, if they're if they're in the Champions League, they can appeal to uh, to a bigger name. I would assume. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's I, I take it we all agree that Rudy Garcia is leaving. Or that it's the that it's the end of the line. Um, yeah, it's not it's not confirmed, is it? But it, no, it's not confirmed. It's what everybody yet, seems to be assuming. Exactly, and it's it. Look, it is a little bit tough on Rudy Garcia, who always seems to have a a, a good run at clubs wherever he goes. He, I mean, he won the title, of course, with with Lille. He did. He worked very well with Dijon, even heading back to the the start of his career at Le Mans. They they did well under Rudy Garcia. Um, Roma started well under Rudy Garcia. I mean, everywhere he seems to go, Marseille had a good spell before the wheels fell off. And and here, everyone's been saying the wheels are falling off. Or then, you know, Leon fans also seem just perennially unsatisfied with with their coaches as well. Um, at the moment, anyway, I think it's a shame for for him that he that he could be leaving. I think there's clearly something going on with his coaching. The way he can't seem to stay long term in a in a position. But uh, as for who will replace him, look, it's, you know, it's speculation, pure speculation at this stage. I'd like to see Patrick Vieira have, a, have another go with a, with a club in Ligue 1. Gallardo knows Ligue 1 very well. Is, is he a, a realistic option? Uh, De Zerbi, look, I, I couldn't tell you, to be, to be honest. I mean, Sassuolo have done fantastically well uh, this season, a, a small club with with not much budget and and have done well. But look, that look, this is for Jean Michel Olas to to decide and and Bruno Cheru to to work out what they have to do and and Bernard Lecom and all the the decision makers there to to decide how to move the club forward. But yes, qualifying for the Champions League as opposed to the Europa League will have a big impact on who they bring in. Surely they've been burnt though as well by the whole Silvino experience and 
at least one of those names on there smacks a little bit of Silvino, even though um, they've got a bit more experience than Silvino did in top jobs. So I'd be wary, to be honest, unless they can persuade Christophe Galtier to come in out of that short list. Uh, I'm not sure I'd want He's any He's been of them. heavily linked with, with Nice, hasn't he, Christophe he has, Galtier? Yeah. Mm. Which would be fantastic for Nice. I mean, it would be a, a fantastic shot in the arm for, for that project that's uh, running down there. Yeah, and by the way, Lille have said that they that they want to keep Christophe Galtier, so that's another one um, that we're going to have to keep our eyes on. The mm-hmm. top four are, are, are way ahead um, of the chasers. There's a three-way tussle at the moment for fifth, um, which would also be uh, European qualification. Marseille in the box seat, but they they missed a big chance. Robbie Thompson uh, was commentating the game. Saint-Etienne against Marseille. Let's uh, hear what happened. Kazri, the cross. Belletti's missed it. The chance at the back post. And Saint-Etienne have the goal that they probably deserve on the balance of play in this first half. A slice of fortune that was missed by Leonardo Belletti, the young Argentine defender. Wabi Kazri again at the heart of the action for Saint-Étienne. His cross to the back post. And a cool finish from Arno Nordin. Uh, Robbie, really disappointing result this. That Marseille could have gone three points above Lille um, in that battle for fifth. Um, but completely, completely fluffed their lines. Yeah, absolutely. It was their first 1pm uh, kickoff of the season. Um People don't like to give that much credit, but I think, uh, in all honesty, that does have an effect on on how you play and certainly how you start a match. It changes your whole rhythm. You're not used to it. Um, I'm prepared to to accommodate that argument for a reason. Well, for another reason as to why a, a team doesn't necessarily perform. Um, but yeah, they were second to every ball. They were against a, a Saint Etienne side that yes have turned a little bit of a corner. In the last, I think it was four wins and, and three losses in their last seven, 12 very important points over the last two months for, for Saint-Étienne to get them up and to 42 points, which is the, the, the holy grail of when you're fighting relegation. Um, and they were the better side, Saint-Étienne, throughout. Um, not, much, not much to say. Marseille, honestly, it was, it was very disappointing. All this, this the talk of Jorge Sampaoli's spirit and fight. I don't know if, if the... The official news that Tovan was heading to Mexico to go and join up with Andre Piaginiak at Tigris had some sort of uh, effect on the rest of the squad, thinking, OK, this is the beginning of the end now for, for this squad. We know that Cuisance is, is on loan. He could be, hasn't, Olivier Nitcham and Cham wasn't even in the squad um, brought in. So there are squad issues. Um, and Sampaoli tried to change a couple of things around as well. He switched. Chaletetsar to the right side of a of a three man central defence and Belerdi to the left. They didn't look all that uh, comfortable. There was Luis Enrique playing the left wing back role, um, which for another pod I'll just say I think we should stop calling these guys defenders because they. Paul Lirolo is a, a fantastic attacking player, but he can't defend to save his life. Luis Enrique didn't even try on the left. <laughs> so look, they're playing. Wing backs are no longer defenders. They don't have to defend. They don't need to defend. Let's stop saying, "Oh, he, he can't defend." They don't defend. They never spend any time defending. So, so, but that's a, another pod, perhaps a summer pod. Um, yeah, it was bitterly disappointing. And for the second week in a row, they needed Benedetto late on to salvage a point against Strasbourg uh, last week, and here again, 
Disappointing. Never looked in the contest. They could have perhaps salvaged something from a, a Payet free kick. Benedetto had a chance late on, but very disappointing. Saint-Étienne, deserved, deserved winners. Marseille playing Angers at the weekend. Dave, who do you fancy? It's, it's between Marseille, Lens and, uh, and Rennes for fifth position. Marseille have by far the easiest fixtures because Angers at home, Metz away. Neither Angers nor Metz have anything to play for, whereas Rennes go to Monaco, then host Nîmes. Lons go to Bordeaux, who still need points, and then host Monaco. But as Rob says, the way Marseille have played these last couple of games, you're not backing them to take maximum points out of that, are you? So while they should do it, while they should finish fifth and guarantee themselves Europe, which would be great for San Paoli going into next season with a full velodrome if they get a, a good draw, um, it's far from certain that it's going to happen. I think Ren are on a nice little run under Bruno Genesio and they'll be buoyed by that result against Paris Saint-Germain and the emergence of extra players like uh, Leslie Ugochukwu, the 17-year-old who slotted mm-hmm. in nicely for an hour. Andy Duf, I think, got the fastest yellow card that anyone's <laughs> ever had of a career. That was his first <laughs> professional game. Within about 10 seconds, he'd got a yellow card. I thought he was going to get sent off, but he calmed down after that. And um, nice to see more young players coming through at Rennes and, and they might do it, you know? Absolutely. Young players as well. We always talk about it in France. Young players everywhere. Monaco have fantastic young players. Rennes have fantastic young players. And there's there's a lot of talent in, in French football and, and it's gonna be it's gonna be big. It's across the board. We're seeing seventeen year olds playing really good football all over Ligue 1. Yeah, absolutely. And and there is tension, there is excitement throughout the league. I think 14 of the 20 teams still have something to play for. Um, Producer Ian did uh, um, take issue with the suggestion it was a race for fifth. He said it's more like a slow dawdle as they stumble over each other, something akin to a parent's sack race at infant school sports day, which is maybe a little bit harsh, but um, (laughs) it's true that Marseille, Lens and Rennes struggling for points at the moment. Um, Speaking about Ian, uh, time to bring in his deja vu. I'll give the um, the answer to last week's clue. Of course, you have to guess who I'm talking about. I played with Mikel Silvestre at two clubs, one of which is in France, the other in Italy. I played for Marcello Lippi, Sven-Goran Eriksson and Claude Puel. And with Eric Abidal, Yuri Djokov and Paolo Di Canio, revolution late in my career, in fact, turned into my swan song. The answer, of course, Usman Darbo. Yes, well done. Well done to John Crossan, James Cathy, Adam Cyrilnik, Kev Sherwood, Habib Barr, Edward Scott and Gonzalo Tobar, who is a, a Chilean league Gun fan based in New Jersey. Thank you, everybody, for, for getting in touch. Congratulations. If you think you know the answer to this week's, you can send us an email, league1podcast at gmail.com or use the hashtag LeBourgeois on Twitter. <clears throat> Are we ready for this week's Deja Who? My father was a wrestler, and I inherited his physique. I played only for Marseille in France, and my three years there ended with me briefly wearing another team's sky blue shirt. I then had a successful decade in the country of my mother's birth, winning four league titles and a Champions League. That is it. That is your lot for this week's Deja Who. It's, uh, it's tricky, I reckon, this one. We will mm-hmm. see if um, if people get it. League One Podcast at gmail.com or use the hashtag Le Bourgeois on Twitter. We're going to conclude our wrap of the uh, round 
36 action by talking about the relegation dogfight, which is uh, every bit as exciting as the uh, as the title race because the uh, the teams at the bottom are scrapping. Dijon are down. Um, they're out of the equation, but uh, the team that is going to finish second bottom, two teams automatically rele- relegated, that is still to be determined. And also the team to finish 18th is still to be determined. Um, Nantes were in 18th position going into their match against Bordeaux. Um, but they're fighting. They'd won two on the spin before this one. Andy Scott saw the action uh, between Nantes and Bordeaux. Blast with a good ball in and there's the header. Nantes take the lead. It's Khalifa Koulibaly with the goal. So Imran loser against Benoit Costille. His fifth league on penalty, his fifth goal from the spot. And uh, daylight between these teams now. Moses Simon. Skips away from Quateng. Still on his feet, Simon. Gets it back to Kulawani, drilled in. 3 0. Nantes heading for a comprehensive victory. Well, uh, Dave, 3 0 to Nantes. Um, Nantes hadn't won two straight games this season until uh, the last couple of weeks. They've now won three on the bounce. They've got 37 points. They're still in 18th. They're still in the relegation playoff position. Um, but they're only one point behind Strasbourg and Lorient. And uh, they're, you know, they're looking like they should stay up. Yeah, they're knocking in the goals. Simon Antoine doing the business. 4-1 against Brest the previous week. 3-0 against Bordeaux. Khalifa Koulibaly back on the goal trail. Ludovic Blas looking like the player we all thought he'd become when he was a, a star at France under-19s level. And, you know, you think they're going to do it the way they're going. That You worry about the teams that have suddenly lost form. You're The likes of Strasbourg and, and Bordeaux. Um, Nîmes, they've got really tough games coming up. But I, I personally... I'd be really unhappy to see Renault Repar drop into the second division. He got another goal in their win at the weekend. And uh, yeah, he's almost as good as Burak Yilmaz for me. <laughs> he'd probably get a move, wouldn't he, if, it, if yeah, Nîmes sure went he down? He'd probably... I'm sure he'd be back in the game. Would he, would he accept a move? I'm not sure he would. Yeah, no, he's the sort he's of guy a... who could stay with them yeah, and fight absolutely. To, to come absolutely. back up. They, I think he's Nîmes, very they have got, They've got very tough games. They've got Leon at home at the weekend. And then, uh, I'm just checking, I think it's Ren. Yeah, yeah, then Ren ran away uh Nantes play Dijon next week Robbie it would be it would be really sad to see Nantes go wouldn't it I know we've we've said that they're eight-time champions they're also this kind of um nostalgic presence in the French game because they played such a, a wonderful style of football um back in the 70s 80s 90s um intermittently uh, but um it would be th- it would be yeah, a shame they're a great to see. club absolutely they're a, they're a historical club I mean Look, it's this this idea of paying credence to to historical clubs. They have to be well run. They have to they have to offer something as well. They don't just get their place in the top flight. And and Nantes are showing some pride and and a resurgence at the moment under Antoine Comboario, who's a former uh, Nantes player as well, and and knows what it takes for this side. But look, Nantes have to Nantes have to change something. Valdemir Kitter, the the president, his son Frank, they need to. They need to get it sorted. They need to get the, the the they need to get this club back on track. When you look there, Dijon, Nîmes, yes, they they have great character. They're they're, they're sides that represent areas of, of France as well, but Nantes represent something more than that. Um, 
it, it's it's not nice to try and choose favourites or who you want to stay up or who you, who who you want to see relegated as well. Lorient are a young club, but they're a well-run club. They they produce young talent. Um, they have good fans. Um, they don't have the history of a of a Strasbourg or a Nantes or a, a Bordeaux. Um, you don't want to choose ones to go down. But look, Nantes it would the the Ligue 1 with a strong Nantes is a is a better Ligue 1. Yeah, it's true. There are three very big clubs in danger: Strasbourg and and Bordeaux and and Nantes. Um, Lorient beaten four one at the weekend by Lyon. Strasbourg were beaten three two by Montpellier. Um, Gaten Laborde scoring a, a brilliant overhead kick in that game. Mm. Um, it's going to go. They down were three to the nil wire. down. Strasbourg. They were three they, nil down. They, yeah. they they came back in the final minutes, but they were never in in that well. That not never in that contest, but uh, no, absolutely yeah. not. Not two points ahead of Nîmes, um, but one point behind both Strasbourg and Lorient. Two points behind Bordeaux. So we, we can probably say that Brest are okay with with forty points. Let's um, let's wrap up, guys, with uh, a quick look ahead to the, uh, one word, to the to the weekend. Yes, Robbie. Quick quick word about the passing of Christophe Revaux, who um was and this uh perhaps some of most of our listeners perhaps don't know about Christophe Revaux, but he was a, a goalkeeper in the 1990s and through the noughties as well he played for um Le Havre where he came through the ranks he played for Rennes he played for Paris Saint-Germain but it was uh really at Toulouse where he is he created something of a legend and uh he passed away last Thursday at just 49 years of age um, in Le Havre, where he was working with uh, with uh, the club as bringing young players through and in, in the academy and a sort of pseudo-sporting director role. Everyone says he's a fantastic guy. Um, I saw him play, and we all, I think, will remember what he did for Toulouse Football Club because Toulouse Football Club were relegated all the way down to amateur football. Everyone up and left. There were a couple that stayed, like uh, Panchi Syriax and this gentleman in goal who wasn't from that area, but he, he felt obliged to the people of Toulouse and to the football club to stay. They were down in, in the amateur third division playing regional football and he, he brought them all the way back up to Ligue 1 and spent a season back in Ligue 1 with Toulouse and is a legend there and uh, RIP Christophe Revaux. But he's also, he's also Robbie, an absolute legend in, in, in Le Havre. It's, it's interesting. Yep, I, I know absolutely. he's revered in Toulouse. I remember commentating a Le Havre game in the late noughties and just... I remember being quite taken by um, the way he was revered and the way the fans just absolutely worshipped him. And uh, he clearly was a very, very special man. He played mm-hmm. for PSG and Ren as well. Um, and I think, yeah, you're quite right because uh, you're quite right to mention the the tragic passing of Christophe Raveau, who, um, yeah, has, has left French football a, a poorer place. He was clearly a very loved figure in mm. in the French game. Um, I thought you were going to talk about the, the Coupe de France because we do have Coupe de France <laughs> yes, semi-finals well. coming up on 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 Wednesday. Um, Montpellier, PSG, and Monaco against Rumilly. Is that PSG's right? PSG's nightmare. Yep, Rumilly Valière out in the uh, the Alps near the game to be played in Annecy, at, uh, which is a very picturesque stadium. Monaco obviously red hot favourites to go through to the final, and Monaco. I think at the moment, how, what do we think, boys? Favourites for the for the Coupe de France title? Paris Saint Germain have to have Difficult to turn to things say. around pretty pretty quickly. And Montpellier will be a, a tough challenge for Paris Saint Germain on on Wednesday night down in yeah, Montpellier absolutely. in the semi final. I think Montpellier are really going to go for it. They've got uh, three very good forwards with Mavadidi, Delors, and Laborde, and uh, Michel and it, 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 sh- it should season. be interesting as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Can he go out with uh, with a bang? Um, suggestions he might be joining Bordeaux, but uh, we'll talk more about that later in the season. Time for a bon voyage now. We're going to have a look at where we want to go in round 37. We can only go to one game because it's multiplex time. All 10 matches taking place at 9pm local time on Sunday, May the 16th. Let's, uh, let's go on a bon voyage. David Crossan, one game to choose. Where are you going to go for, for round 37? Renault Repar watch for me. Might be the last time you get to see him at home in Ligue 1. Nîmes against Lyon, a match that means something at both ends of the table. That is incredible commitment to, to Renault Ripar, Dave. Congratulations. Um, uh, great to see such loyalty from a commentator. Uh, Robbie Thompson, what about yourself? Oh, look, um, I'm going to be at the park. I'm going to be at the park for, for Paris Saint-Germain versus Stade de Reims. A couple of very exciting young players coming through the ranks at Reims as well. Uh, one of the last games for David Guillon there. Look, I could talk all day about Stade de Reims, of course, but I'll be there to keep an eye on PSG and uh, hopefully keep this title race going all the way to the end. Let's not forget, should Lille ever slip up, and who knows what could happen, Paris Saint-Germain do have that little half a point advantage courtesy of uh, their better goal difference, their far superior goal difference. Maybe this title race hasn't said its final word just yet. Absolutely. Keep on dreaming, Robbie. Keep that, you know, that's what keeps supporters alive and it's what it's the hope, isn't it? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go to the Stade pierre Morois. I'm going to go watch Lille against Saint-Etienne and I'm going to hope that there's drama at the end and that we see Christophe Galtier um, do, do something even more extravagant than his roly-poly um, where he nearly did his back in. What do you reckon, Dave? Uh, what do you want to see him do? Uh, Lucas Paqueta-style <laughs> backflip or something? Cartwheel? Yeah, or Terra, Terra Moffy backflip. That 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 would be good. No, A um, couple of dance should, steps? Should be fantastic. The multiplex uh, coming up this uh, this Sunday night. So much to um, to look forward to. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed Le Bourgeois uh, this week. We'll be back, of course, same time next week where we'll know a little bit more about where this title race is going. If PSG win... Then the title race is going down to the last day regardless. So, you know, that is already uh, good news, I think. Absolutely. David, David, Robbie, um, time to say goodbye to, to you fellas. And thank you very much to everybody for listening. We'll be back again next week. See you again soon. All the way, everyone. Bye. 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 Oh, Benyera, beautifully done. Sensational.